0: This is um, this is kind of part two of my unoffendable. Um, my unaf- everyone's got their notes that want them right. Okay, yes. who this is called? Who is driving your car? The reason it's part two of the unoffendable is because unoffendable is a lot about um, emotions and not walking around in anger and offense. Offense we could s- talk about as being an emotion. So this is going to be a message about emotions. So it kind of dovetails with our unoffendable message. I um, heard this from a girl, Abby. She was preaching it at, the, um, at Bethel and I liked it so much I just hijacked and made it my own, which is what I always do. right? Because a lot of times when things impact me, then I can really talk about them very well. And I've always been a very emotional person, and it's hard not to be held captive to your emotions, so I like to figure out how not to be captive to my emotions, and that's why I'm preaching about it. And she, um, she started out with this, and I thought this was a really good, thank you, a really good um, visual. If you look on your um, sheet there, emotions are like kids. You can't throw them in the trunk, and you can't let them drive your car. Right? So we can't throw our kids in the car. But we can't let them drive our. We can't let them drive either. Same thing with emotions. We don't. We don't push down our emotions, but we can't be. Um, we can't be controlled by our emotions. So what? Where is where are emotions supposed to be? What's their role in our life? And that's what I want to talk about um, today. But here is a. Here's one thing. You know, a lot of people. Uh, like, like I said, they go to two extremes. They put the emotions in the trunk or they let them drive. And the one thing we need to understand is that emotions are not bad. There's, there's nothing wrong with emotions. And the way that we know that is because God is emotional. God has emotions. We are made in God's image. Therefore, we have emotions just like God does in a, probably a whole array. If you read the Old Testament, you're going to see all of those emotions come out. A lot of stuff um, And we are made in the image of God, so we're going to have emotions. Emotions are not wrong, but we don't want to let emotions run our life, because here's the thing, while we're made in the image of God, we are not God, like we talked about in Unoffendable, and so a lot of our emotions are not redeemed. They're unsanctified. They're subject to the fall. So they may be inappropriate. They might be... um, Extreme, they might be unrighteous, and so in that sense we have emotions because God has emotions, but we're not God, and so we have to we have to really um, <laughs> we have to understand that our emotions are not just a neutral thing. Sometimes they're, they're, they can lead us in the wrong places. You know, David is a biblical example of a deeply emotional purpose or person, and he was called a man after God's own heart. We see that um, in Psalms. I love the Psalms because in the Psalms you see this wide range of emotions from David. Right? You see David saying, "Lord, how long are you going to forget me? Forever." I mean, despair. He's talk, he talks about the people that are chasing him, and he's like, you know, do terrible things to these people. I mean, he doesn't hold back. The Psalms is not something that you look at sometimes, some of the Psalms by David where you're like, oh, I should be just like him, because no, he's in a bad place. You know, we don't want to be just like David sometimes because he's very emotional. But the thing that's cool about Psalms, it shows us that we can be emotional. We can throw all our emotions out there, and God can take them all. We don't have to hold our emotions in. We can let them go, but what we do with them is what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? The thing also that we have to remember, and Pastor Bob is the one that taught this to me, I wish he was here so I could give him the credit, but you know, and we know, we know this in Celebrate Recovery, there are two places that you hold truth, you've heard me say this before, your head and your heart, right? But the reality is, what we know in our head, if it um, is not in agreement with our heart, guess, guess, which, guess which wins? Does our head win or does our heart win? Your heart always wins your heart always wins. We operate out of our heart, even if our head says something different, right? We can say, well, we know God loves us, but in our heart, if we don't feel it, we operate from a place of rejection or abandonment, right? And so, one of the things that we have to do is align our head and our heart. And the way that we get this is um, by trusting in what God says, even when we don't feel it in our heart, right? The scripture that Lori loves that she has at the end of all of her emails which is trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and make, he will make your path straight and sometimes that's not trust in your own understanding in your own heart what your heart thinks about something we can't always trust the scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things so we can't always trust our heart is even knowing what is right in that situation just because we feel it doesn't mean it's true That's where we always go back and we line up with what does God say? What is the truth about things? Not what does our heart feel? So that's why it's real important to get our emotions not in the driver's seat, not in the trunk. Where do our emotions belong? But the thing I do like is that God doesn't want to just know us. He doesn't want just a head knowledge. He does want a heart knowledge because God gave us both our head and our heart, and he gave us our emotions. I think that most people who operate just out of their head, that's where they get trapped into a place of just religion, and they don't have a place of relationship because... Religion is all about knowledge, doctrine, rules, legalism, but it's in our heart when we know the God that we can apply those things, we can sift those things out. God says God is love. Love is an emotion, right? It didn't say God is doctrine, God is whatever. The Bible says God is love. So emotions matter to God. They come from the Lord. We just have to know where to put them. Do you remember that story? Um, remember that story? After Jesus is crucified, and I believe he's raised after he's raised up, he is raised up because he's on the road to Emmaus, and he meets the two disciples. And do you remember he's talking to the two disciples, and they're talking and they're walking back to um, have dinner or something, and they're so sad and downcast because Jesus has been crucified and they don't know where he is. Thank you, Nathan, for giving me good feedback. I appreciate that and um jesus is talking to them and and revealing the scriptures to them and they're so excited they invite him in for dinner do you remember this they're like hey stay with us come in and have dinner and he comes in and he breaks bread and as soon as he breaks bread they recognize who he is do you remember what they said they said did not our hearts burn inside us as he revealed the scriptures the reality is emotions bring us closer to god yes heart head knowledge brings us closer to god but emotions bring us closer to God, too, because God is emotional. Emotions are good, and they're meant to draw us close to the Lord, just like those those disciples, did our hearts not burn inside of us? I think that's kind of a cool example of, of how emotions can draw us to the Lord. I like this scripture in Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's an Ezekiel. The heart is the wellspring of life. And I just, I love the idea that God wants to communicate with us in our heart. So here's the question. Our our first blank is why do we throw, throw our emotions in the trunk? Why do we do this? Some people do this and no offense to the men in this room, but some men throw their emotions in the trunk because it's not manly to have emotions. It's not manly to be fearful. It's not manly to be sad. It's not manly to, to, um, to cry or be upset or feel abandoned. We associate in our culture um, sadness and fear with being a woman and anger with being a man. So the only emotion that's really acceptable for a man is anger. That's considered a masculine kind of trait. And no other emotion is really acceptable. So a lot of men take their fear and they throw it in the trunk. And they don't look at it because they can't. Or they don't feel like they're allowed to. A lot of girls are made to feel less than if they cry a lot or they're super emotional. We kind of associate weakness if, if a woman starts to cry. I know when I started working in... Um, in a man's world, so to speak, I learned real quick, you don't cry. And you don't, you don't, um, be feminine. You kind of have to live up by it to a man's world if you're going to success. Any, any women know, you know that, what I'm talking about, Lori? Because that's what's considered successful, right? Is to kind of put your emotions down, you're not going to cry, not going to have hurt feelings, anything like that, because that's not, um, it's professional. It's not professional, it's not manly, Right? A lot of people put their um, emotions in the trunk because they have out-of-control families or environments. Sometimes when you're in an environment which is way out of control, all the emotion is sucked up in the room and you just put your emotion in the trunk because there's no more room for your emotion. Have any of you ever felt that? Where you don't have any space to be emotional and you can't take one more emotional thing, so you just put it in the trunk because everyone else is sucking up all the energy in the room. A lot of people um, won't feel their emotions because it's a way to become Spock. You know who Spock is, right? Spock never felt any emotions because emotions were perceived as weak in his culture and were, what were they, illogical, right? And again, that's that conflict between the head and the heart. Some people are like, you know what? I shouldn't feel upset about this so I won't let myself feel upset about this. Or I feel guilt and shame, so I will just intellectualize it away and put a logical Spock-like filter on it, and then I won't have those emotions. Have you ever met people like that? Abby? Yeah. So they're just like, you know what, those emotions, you know they're not good for me, so I'll just pretend they're not there, and I'll just be super logical. I'll be Spock. I'll be Spock about this. The problem is, The problem about this is that, that, that feelings buried alive never die. They're always there. You can't ever just bury your feelings and think they'll go away because feelings exist for a reason. And what they are, they are our number two. Emotions are meant to be our check engine lights. So if we look, go back to our metaphor of a car, emotions are what comes on when something's not right. Imagine this. Imagine you're driving a car, and the check engine light comes on, and you take it to the mechanic, and you say, hey, I need you to hook this up to your whatever. Don't tell me what's wrong. Just turn it off, and I'll keep driving. Now, how smart would that be, right? I mean, you could be completely bone dry, or you could have, I don't know, what what's, what happens when you have a check engine light, David? Brakes are growing. All kinds of horrible things could happen. But imagine if you went and you said, you know, I'm going to ignore this check engine light and I'm just going to keep driving. And what happens is you'll keep driving till that car just stops. And that car just won't drive anymore. Because a check engine light exists to tell you there's something wrong in the car. And you need to do either some maintenance or some repair or you need to do something. Can we agree on that? Yeah, you could, just put, you could put tape over it and not look at it, but that doesn't work. <laughs> our scripture for that is, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's that wellspring. The heart is the wellspring of life. So the heart is super important. We want to guard it. It's our wellspring, right? It tells us what's going on in our life. Some examples of check engine lights, addictions, affairs, anger, offense, shame, guilt, inadequacy, codependency. But the answer to all of our check engine lights is God's love. Going back to our car metaphor, he's the oil that keeps our car running. When we don't have God's love, when we don't have the oil in our, is it our crankcase? Is that right? In The engine. The engine. The oil goes in the what? Engine. Okay. When we don't have the oil in our engine, we will burn up and stop running, right? The, the, the engine will burn up if we don't have enough love. And so many people, they talk about what um, the root of a lot of these addictions and problems in society, it is a love deficit. People absolutely don't feel loved. They absolutely don't feel loved. And so they try to fill it up and fix it and put a Band-Aid over their check engine light and just keep going until something causes their car just to stall and then they have to figure out what's wrong. And I'm here to tell you guys, do you really want to do life like that? Do you want to wait till something blows up before you stop and get your car fixed? Or do you want to pay attention to your check engine light and go, you know, I just had a check engine light. Maybe I should take it to the mechanic and see what's going on. Maybe I need some oil. Maybe I need God's love. Maybe I need something here. That's what emotions exist for, to tell us what's going on in our life and how do we do the work that needs to be done in a godly way instead of blowing things up. The problem is our society celebrates the follow-your-heart rule, right? Or the heart wants what the heart wants. Have you heard that before? Is that a bunch of crap or what? No, I'm serious. Is it a bunch of crap? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It is. Like the word soulmate. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is doing whatever crazy thing you want leads to bondage. It leads to bondage. (sighs) Number three, don't let your emotions drive the car. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking someone to devour. Here's the thing. The enemy knows that he, if he gets into your emotions, he can take you down. He can take you down. You know, we were just talking a little bit, Lori and I were talking about um, some of the things that our kids face. Our kids face a lot of issues today. Um... And we were saying at the door, I wish, what were you saying, Tim? I want to be a teenager again. We're like, we don't want to be teenagers again. But I do wish that it didn't take me so long in my 50s to learn what I'm learning now. And I wish our kids who are 17, 18, and 19 could get a hold of some of this stuff early so they wouldn't have to drive their car off a cliff to figure out, oh, I can't let my emotions drive the car. Right? Because here's the thing. When you let your emotions drive the car, you're going to drive off a cliff, or you're going to drive into somebody and cause a real bad accident. You can't let your emotions drive the car. And I wish that we could tell our I wish there was a way to tell our kids that, listen, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Amen. And I mean... I know as adults we struggle with that too because we may feel fear or anxiety or depression or anger, but just because we feel it doesn't mean it's true. and doesn't mean it's our future. And somehow we have to communicate as adults. We've got to be models as adults, you guys, that do not let our emotions drive the car. So we show our kids not to let their emotions drive the car. We have to be models for them, right? Or how are they ever going to learn that? How are they ever going to pick it up? You know, one thing about me, I'm a high-emotion person, I'm a high-justice person, you know, and when you feel that high-justice coming your way or that high-emotion, it's really hard not to operate in that, super hard. And I say to myself, you know what, God's high-justice, because he is, I don't have any problem saying that God's high-justice, but the reality is I'm not God, so again, I have to filter all that through um, what God wants me to do with my reaction to high-justice when you see stuff that's wrong, Right? That's what's so hard is saying, God, what do you want me to do with this? The thing about God is if you go to him and ask him, he'll tell you, right? If you go to him and say, hey, hey, this is really making me mad over here. I'm super triggered by this, and I know you don't want me to have, be dictated by emotions. What do I do? If we would stop and turn to him and say, hey, what's going on here? He would say to us, you know, could you possibly be being triggered right now? Are you being triggered? Is there something in your life right now that's causing you to trigger? Because one thing I know is when you have an unresolved issue in your life, something may come at you. Let's just, I like to use a scale of 1 to 10. Something may come at you that deserves a number 2 response, and we hit it with a number 8 or 9. Do you guys ever feel that? That's when you know that your emotions drive in the car is when you over-respond to something here, right? So it's a two. It should be a slight irritation. I was talking to my mom, and um, she, she kind of gave me this, this example. She said there was something in her um, work where she'd get an email about something, and it made her so mad or upset or whatever, and I said, Mom, is it possible that that's a two and you're responding at an eight? She goes, yeah, that's probably happening. <laughs> She goes, nobody else gets mad like me, just me. I'm like, well, if nobody else gets mad and everyone else can blow it off and it's a two, then you're probably responding at an eight. And you need to look at that. You need to to say what's going on. And the thing is, God will tell us if we'll ask him. The issue is, and it's always this, is we're not, our emotions aren't supposed to be driving our car. God's supposed to be driving our car. Not even us. Not even us. It's always about lordship. Who's the lord of our life? Is it us or is it God? Are we bond slaves? Or are we just doing our own thing? We're kind of Christians. We're kind of living the Christian life. Are we really going to model lordship? Because it's modeling lordship, I think, Abby, correct me if I'm wrong, that's going to help our young people understand that they don't have to let their emotions drive the car when they see adults really submitting their lives to the lord lives well like your clo- like your parents or your relatives or people that are out that you're going to see a lot interact with a lot Yeah. You know, we went on a, um, we were up in, Chris and I were up in um, Keystone, uh, Thursday night and Friday night, and we went on a hike yesterday, right, over at the fish hatchery. And it was interesting because we went on this nature (laughs) nature hike, and I was leading the way. It was beautiful. And I got this really cool metaphor. As I was walking along this hike, you know, as you're walking, they've got kind of like vague hiking kind of edges, you know what I mean? And then, you know, every, I don't know, 20 feet, there might be a little plaque, like, this is dead Aspen, or this is, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, then they're like, they had a sign that said dead wood, and it was all about how dead wood was good for the forest, or something. I'm like, what an interesting plaque, dead wood, you know? They'd be like coyote, you know, just different, just these different things. But my point is, you'd be walking down this path, and if you looked up ahead, You'd be like, where, where's this path going? I don't see where this path is going. You could see it when you were looking down here, but if you put your eyes out here and you looked all around here, you're like, well, I'm not really sure that path is going. But as soon as you'd get up there, you'd see a little bit more. But the, and I thought, isn't that the way God is with us? He doesn't show us very much ahead of the path. He says, keep your eyes on where you're going. Look at the signs I've put along the way. You know, I put some signposts along the way to keep you on the path, but don't look too far in advance. Just trust me that when you get there, I'm going to show you the next place to go. Right? And, and a lot of times we're like, well, I want to know exactly where I get to before I'm really going to start this path. And go- <laughs> That's my man right there. And Because sometimes God is saying, you know what? I need you to walk this path with me every step, trusting I'm going to show you the next place when you get there. And the signs I put along the side, I just want you to look at them. I want you to stay within my boundaries. I want you to walk this way and just trust I'm going to get you to where you're supposed to go. That's a picture of lordship. That's a picture of lordship. Do what he asks you to do. Stay on the path and trust him. He's going to show you the next place to go. Is that good? Is that a good picture or what? All right, so I'm going to give you um, some just quick guidelines on um, authority or on or some different um, what's the word uh, ways to keep your emotions out of the driver's seat and into the seat next to you or in the back seat, but not in the driver's seat. Okay. The first one is we're given authority over our emotions. This is my favorite. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. The thing that I love about this, you guys, sound mind, we've all been given a sound mind. We've all been given a sound mind. Seriously, that is a promise that we've been given. We have not been given a spirit of fear. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You know that movie or that um, TV show Gotham? You guys ever watch Gotham? Okay. Do you know Batman? Yes. He lives in the city Gotham. Okay. In, um, in com- it's, it's artificial, fake. It's not a real place. Like New York it's supposed to be like in New York, yeah. <laughs> is it Pittsburgh? Okay. We digress. The point is, the point is, every comic book story, and in most fantasies, even if you think of Star Wars, something like that, there's always a nemesis, right? There's always the good guy, then there's always some crook or criminal that's trying to infiltrate in Gotham, in Go- trying to come into Gotham and take over and be like the mobster that wrecks the city, right? Like the Joker, the Penguin. So in all your, in all your, um, Batman stories, you see, oh, everything's fine, but all of a sudden, Penguin is in the town, and and crime has tripled, so now we've got to go out and take care of this nemesis. Well, here's the thing. Emotions can be like that. They can try to take over your city, sneak in through the back door, and take over and change your whole environment, and guess what? You've got authority over that. You need to be king of your castle or queen of your castle. Nobody else, no Penguin, no no joker, no riddler, none of these people can come in and, sh- and take over your city. They don't have any authority to do that. You have authority. You need to exercise it. Number two. Ooh, this is a good one. Do not meditate on things that do not produce hope. How many of you guys have ever done this before? All right. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. rumination leads to hopelessness. Don't think about your past failures. Don't let Satan get in there and make you think about everything you've done wrong and how your life sucks and how it's never going to get better. Don't do that. Our verse for that is, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. These are all little foxes that come and try to take away the sap from the, from the imagine of a vine, and they're coming in here chewing on the bottom of your vine so you can't grow and produce fruit and, pr- and produce a harvest. So you have to, you'd like this, Chris. You know what you have to do? You have to take out your... ar Yeah, AR-15. You put your night vision goggles on, And every single fox that comes your way, you shoot it dead. You shoot it dead. You take no, what's my word? No captives, no prisoners. You shoot every fox that comes your way dead. (laughs) Here's one. Do not have vain imaginations, number three. This is called future tripping, or fear about the future. Some people, my sweet husband, who are futuristic... Worry about the future. Mark Twain says, I am an old man and have known many troubles and most have not even happened. <laughs> How many of us have done that, right? You're so worried about the future and most of it doesn't happen. That does not produce anything good. Stop doing that. Don't future trip or have vain imaginations. I never did that. <laughs> here's, what we, here's the problem, you guys, and I was just telling this to Lori. Lori. If we're going to believe the scripture, and this comes back to aligning our head and our heart, right? All things work for good for those that love the Lord and called according to his purposes. That means the stuff that's happening right now, God's going to use for our good, not the enemy's going to use for our demise, which is what we always think, right? we always like, well, this sucks over here, so it's going to be really terrible over here. Instead, maybe... We should be like, man, this isn't good right here. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do really cool over here. It's gonna be awesome and He's gonna just work it out so fantastic, and then I get to turn around and minister out of it. How fun is that? Weren't we just talking about that? And I remember when I was cancer, it's like I can't to see what God does with and how I'm gonna be different Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So a lot of times we have, got to, we have got to change that old tape in our head. We've got to change the way we do things, take authority and say, instead of going, the future's going to be negative because X is happening, now we're going to wait. But wait, God has said his mercies are new every morning. I can't wait to see what cool stuff he's going to do. He, this is so, I, I, so impossible. It must be really, really cool what he's going to do. We need to we if we're going to think about the future, we need to turn our minds and think about being positive instead of negative. Right? Here's one that some people struggle with. Do not imagine what other people are think that other people are thinking about you negatively. Anybody do that here? Anybody? Don't make me point you out. Don't make me point you out. Anybody do that? Everybody is doing that Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. practice reversing negative assumptions about people sometimes um, <laughs> I have a friend, oh I wish she was here because I would, I would use her Linda Leon, we made fun of her, the, me and Carla because she would sit back here and she would do this okay. as we're preaching and when you see someone's face like that, you're like, what are they thinking? Are they upset? Are they mad at me? Do they disagree with what I'm saying? That's why having people respond to you positively is so helpful because at least you think, oh, maybe it's getting through. But when people just stand there and go, like that, you don't know what they're thinking, right? And what do we normally do? We normally are like, oh, it's negative. They're thinking negative about me. We always go to the negative. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop doing that. Number five, do not connect failure or hopeless dots. Meaning, and I do this sometimes, some, do you ever mess up, do something, you know, a mistake? Because we're human beings. Are we human beings? Do we make mistakes? Yes, okay. Do you ever make a mistake and go, oh, I'm so bad at that. I can't believe I screwed up. And I remember the last time I screwed up too. Oh and then I screwed up here and we start connecting all these this history of our mess ups and our screw ups. Yes, yeah, stop doing that. Just stop doing that. That there's no nothing productive about that. We don't need to have the enemy beat us up about one thing then two things then three things then four things. Stop doing that. All right? Bright? Number six, do not go over all your mistakes and disqualifications. Same Kind of same thing. That's a fox of hopelessness. Turn your mind away from that. Like This is not a hopeless world because you know what? God is sovereign and he's in control. He's never left the throne. He's always on the throne. He was on the throne in the past. He's on the throne right now. Well, we've got Trump and he's on the throne in the future. There is nothing hopeless about what's going on right now. God is on the throne and he will take care of us because he always has and he always will. It doesn't matter what's going on in our government ever. God is on the throne. If we have to like write that on our forehead, we've got to remember that and not give in to hopelessness. Some of us really need this. Do not follow people on social media that make you jealous or angry. That's just good sense. Don't do that. don't put yourself in a position that promotes negative emotions do not watch heavy tv or news shows if you struggle with fear anxiety or negativity don't do that we don't need to, we need to protect our environment all the time you guys we are the queen of our city we're queen of gotham or gotham or king of gotham we need to protect our environment that means we have to do the things the things that it takes to make sure that our environment is um, like Nehemiah, has a wall around it and doesn't allow the Joker and the Riddler and the whoever got Penguin in. We need to keep them out. So we might have to turn the television off every now and then and not look at it. Or the news. I, my grandmother used to watch the news from morning to night. Why do people do that? <laughs> it doesn't change that much. Why do people want to do that? In the nursing home, just morning to night, they watch the news. I'd rather not know what's going on than watch the news morning to night. Absolutely. That goes back to guard your heart above all things for it's the wellspring of life. All right. You guys have heard this one, right? Two wolves are fighting. One is darkness and despair. One is hope and light. Which one wins? The one you feed. The one you feed. So we're always going to feed positivity and we're going to starve negativity, right? We're not going to speak about it. We're not going to talk about it. We are going to feed positivity. Even if people think we're like um, Susie Sunshine all the time, we're going to feed positivity. Yep. Wrong with get Practice changing channels. Mm-hmm. That's what I have. I have practice changing channels. Know your triggers and change the channel. Here's a good one. Pick somebody to pray for when negative emotions try to take you down. That that way you're kind of backfiring on the enemy. The enemy comes at you and is trying to give you negative emotions. You're like, oh, you're giving me negative emotions. So I'm going to pray for X person. So now they're going to get prayer. You shouldn't have done that to me because now I'm praying. Uh-huh. Right? Because now I'm praying as a response to this negative emotion. Ruminate on goodness instead of negativity. How about this one? Think about the things that you love about people. Switch your channel to a frequency of love. And then number ten, feast on love. Feast on it. Feast on the good things of life. Ruminate on goodness. And this, I love this one, you guys. Play the thankful game. Did you know this? That every get-rich book, every self-help book, and every motivational book as its core tenet has a tenet of thankfulness. Every single book. The scripture says give thanks in all situations. Does anyone know how hard that is? Again, to me, I link that with God works all things out for, uh, for good for those that love him and call called according to his purposes. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give thanks for the situation because I'm going to get to see how you work it out. So in every situation, we give thanks. That, to me, is responding to a situation in the opposite spirit and not allowing the situation to dictate our emotions and for us to say, this is how I'm going to handle the situation. I'm going to line myself up with the scripture, and I'm going to give thanks. Here's one. Have people pray for you. Ask for encouragement. Say declarations. Read the Bible. Listen to worship music. Those are all good strategies. Focus on your growth. Celebrate where you've come from. Say, you know what? I may be struggling with fear right now, but not like I did two years ago. You know, I've been through Celebrate Recovery and I got some stuff off of me. I'm way better than I was two years ago or whatever. And then this is our last one. I think this is a really good one that we can, this can help us. Um, because we just need practice. Sometimes practice, practicing um, with your emotions, that's really just self-control. So we can practice self-control in other areas to help us practice self-control in emotions. Like, I don't know, food, maybe. Ugh. I'm doing, I'm doing <laughs> sugar. I'm doing Atkins, so I'm fasting, you know, basically all food right now. <laughs> meat. Ugh. I'm so tired of meat right now. Or we can fast TV, we can fast a lot of things, but when we practice self-control, we're teaching ourselves how to have self-control in every area of our life, not just in emotions or not just in our food. But, you know, Chris and I were talking about, we were talking about discipline on the way down the mountain. We were like, how come we're not disciplined like we used to be when we were young? And I don't know why, maybe we're out of practice, I don't know. Maybe we need to practice in a bunch of different areas. Having self-control in the area of your emotions is practice. It's practice and commitment. It's the idea that God is going to be Lord of our life, not our emotions. This has kind of been a practical teaching today, you guys, but this is, what I've, this is where I'm at, though, right now. You know, I'm about wanting to be more than where I was and not letting my circumstances dictate my joy. Right? Right? I want God in my relationship with God to dictate my joy. I mean, I think about what the um, first Christians went through. They were being persecuted and burned alive, or maybe dead, I don't know, but burned in the um, Colosseum and everything. And they were powerful. It was a powerful community. Full of power and joy, and, they, and, the, and the church grew like wildfire. But they weren't in the best of circumstances, right? So somehow we got to get our eyes off our circumstances, we gotta get our eyes off of what we just see, what the enemy is trying to bring at us in our Gotham, in our city. And we gotta be like, you know, I'm in I'm in I'm in authority. And I'm gonna be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna live and act and love and be like Jesus is Lord of my life. I'm gonna actually live that way, not just talk that way. That's where I'm going. I hope you guys are going with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you're taking us um, to places of joy and health and wholeness. That we can be ambassadors for you, God. And we can teach the generation coming up, Lord, that they do not need to listen to the lies of this world. That you are God of this world. You're sovereign. You're on the throne. You've never left the throne. Never left the throne. You do not leave your people high and dry, God. You are with us. You are for us. You have plans for good to prosper us. So, Lord, I just do speak um, encouragement and hope and truth and destiny into the atmosphere, into the atmosphere tonight to every person here. I speak destiny, and I speak blessing, and I speak love. I want to be an ambassador of love, Lord. I don't want to be led by my emotions. I want to be led by you and you alone, God. I just bless you and I bless these people, Lord. Thank you for this food and the hands prepared it. Just let us have a great time in fellowship, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.